Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, the 25th of May edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. Coming up in this episode, Bill Melter going to join us just here in a moment to talk about the players' approval of the 2014 playoff format. We'll get into all the details of that and my conversation with Flyers prospect, played his list last year at the University of Michigan. Cam York will join us here on Flyers Daily. But let's get to Bill Melter right now. Billy, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's Memorial Day. Maybe it uh, sounds like hockey might be right around the corner. So, you know, it's all good. Yeah. And, and Bill, it's, you know, there's this assumption that everything is done when the players, I guess, for lack of a better term, ratified the deal uh, on the 2014 return to play format. But there's still a lot of work to be done here, isn't there? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, with, with the uh, NHLPA agreed to was essentially the uh, the framework of a 24-team of continuation of the season, a play-in, you know, slash playoff format. But uh, so we know the we know the what's, you know, and we still have to figure out the, you know, the, the how's and the, the when's, you know. So there's still a lot of details to, to work out, uh, you know, to, before there would actually be hockey in the ice again, but that, that's a big step with the uh, agreement for what the format would look like. And, you know, with things opening up again, um, players hopefully sooner than later and in, in many locales will be able to get back on the ice again and start getting ready for, you know, what an eventual training camp would be. So, you know, no, there, there's still many steps to be, to be worked through um, testing protocols and then all the rest of that. So, you know, it's, it's not, by any means a done deal, but that was a, that was a big step because now they know essentially what they'll be looking at. And, um, you know, that, that takes at least some of the mystery out of it. And, you know, I, I hopefully the, the momentum starts carrying over again now, once, uh, once Memorial day weekend is over. Yeah. And the statement that came from the NHLPA reads as follows. It said the executive board, the National Hockey League Players Association has authorized further negotiations with the NHL on a 2014 return to play format to determine the winner of the 2020 Stanley Cup. Several details remain to be note negotiated and an agreement on the format would still be subject to the parties reaching agreement on all issues relevant to resuming play. And Bill, one of those issues is whether or not these these round robin games that the top four seeds will play uh, against each other. It, presumably there's two hubs, 12 teams at each. And the top four teams would play uh, three games against the other top four team, uh, the other teams that are in the top four. And they're trying to determine if that's going to determine seeding or not in the playoffs and if it should be weighted. Um, in my opinion, those games should matter and they should be playing for seeding. Do you agree? Oh, well, I agree because otherwise they're just glorified exhibition games, you know, and yeah. other teams will have something to play for. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, from, from what I've heard in the formats, you can't be lower than the fourth seed anyway. So, I mean, it would be weighted to a certain degree, but unless, unless it's, uh, you know, unless you're playing for seedings and matchups and, you know, otherwise like I said, it's just, just three exhibition games and you're playing not to get anybody injured whole whole different scenario than the teams that are in the play in format. So I think, I think the game should mean something if you're going to play them. Yeah. One of the things they've talked about bill too, and from what we understand and what the players did agree to is that those games for the play in teams, the teams outside of the top four uh, in each conference, um, that they would be a best of five series. They wanted to alleviate that feeling of, um, you know, giving the teams, the better teams, a better chance, therefore a longer series as, of, as opposed to a best of three. Do you think they achieve that with a best of five? Well, even, you know, even a best of five, 
even a best of five. I, the shorter the series, the statistically more likely there would be, you know, some kind of an upset, although that certainly didn't seem to play in last year with best of sevens and all, all those top seeds that fell early. I mean, listen, the playoffs in general are, are um, you know, anything can happen once you're in a series. But I, but I do think that, it, that in a longer series, theoretically, the, the better team should prevail over a longer series. But listen, it's going to be the better team over those best of five, not necessarily the, the, the better team over the course of a season. I mean, we only have to go back a year. You know, look at look at how Tampa Bay ran away with the President's Trophy. Um, you know, they blew game one of their series, then they blew sky high. Next thing you know, they were out in four straight games. So there's there's never a guarantee anyway. There's There have been upsets in, in playoffs forever. So, you know, I, I, I do think that a best of five, you know, it does it does make it a little bit more legitimate. I mean, remember remember years ago the Flyers used to play some best of three miniseries, and you were always nervous if you dropped game one. So at least at least over a game five, you know, at least over a five game series, there was a chance to recover if you drop a game. There, you know, you're not immediately facing an elimination game, particularly after you, you know, you've played sixty nine seventy games. I, I I mean, I'd be in favor of at least a best of five, but I I would like the when you get to sixteen teams, I want that to be best of seven, preferably. Yeah, and that's one of the things that they are trying to work out, whether they're going to be best of seven there or maybe that opening round would be best of five. Um, and those teams that played already a, a play-in series, uh, having played a best of five and the other teams only playing three games. So conceivably, those teams that move into the, the field of 16 could have, may have only played three games because they sweep their way to it. Uh, that remains to be seen. Bill, it, it, you mentioned Tampa, and, and it's an interesting team on so many levels because it would have happened last year. And of all the teams that, that didn't vote for it, there was only two, I believe, that didn't. Tampa was one of them. Pittsburgh was rumored to be one of them, but they are not, although – they, they had a legitimate gripe from uh, the positioning that they were in, and now it looks like they're going to draw the Montreal Canadiens. But Chris Letang said at the end of the day, the playoffs uh, are different beasts. No matter who you play, it's going to be hard. If it wasn't Montreal, it was going to be Philadelphia or Washington or a challenge like that. We've got a lot of experience, and I've never heard of an easy series looking at Tampa from last year. Were you surprised that Tampa was one of the teams this year that didn't vote for it? I was actually surprised because – <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the explanation they gave, I believe, was Alex Killorn explained that um, they they had felt that, you know, they, they want the games to play in to mean something. They they don't want so. I mean, that is an argument in favor of, you know, the, the games before they would start to mean something. So they're not going from basically exhibition games right into playoffs. So, I mean, that, that makes some sense. And, and Carolina was the other team in there as well. Um you know, and I mean, listen, every team has its own reasons and its own way of looking at things. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh playing Montreal in a, in a best of five or, or whatever. I mean, it's actually, it's actually considering the way the season had gone. Now you're not going to just necessarily pick up where you left off, but that's, uh, you know, on paper, that's a, a matchup that would favor them more than, more than uh, playing the Flyers would again, depending on depending on how the two teams come out of the gates here as, as they come out of a camp. But, you know, I mean, whoever Pittsburgh plays, they're, they're going to play. And, you know, as, as you said, as Latang said, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. This is a team that's won a couple of cups in recent history, so they don't have to be afraid of any opponent particularly. And at the end of the day, I mean, teams, most teams at least, you know, they can work with whatever format you give them. They, they just want to play and they want a little certainty to it. Yeah, and the interesting thing is the Penguins are a team that at the pause through 69 games had 86 points. You look at the Montreal Canadiens uh, through 71 games have 71 points. Um, right. In all logic, you say Pittsburgh is a far superior team. But again, like you just brought up, th these are very unique circumstances. 
how a team is going to come back from this is going to be one of the the big determining factors and how they hit the ground running. And there's not going to be a lot of time for error here at all. Uh, and and that carry price factor. I know everybody cites it, but um, the, the goaltender in this sport can have such an impact, which brings me to Carolina and them voting no because they don't have much goaltending. And if I'm Carolina, I am a little scared because I saw what the Rangers were post-deadline when Chris Kreider decided to stay there. And then all of a sudden, uh, a team, and they get Shesterkin back, who's 9-1 and one as, as an NHL goaltender, uh, the Rangers, to me, could be a really dangerous team in this format to advance. They could. You know, you get uh, in a series, Panarin runs wild in there. I mean, he was uh, he was on quite a streak beforehand. I mean, it, it's just so it's just so hard to know. You know, there there are there are going to be teams, good teams, that are going to come out of a camp a little bit a little bit flat, right? And uh, you know, the Flyers certainly hope they're a team that just picks up where they left off, but there's, there's really no way to know. It's, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's more unpredictable than an average playoff year. And in, in the best of playoff years, you never know what's going to happen in the series. I remember years ago when, um, one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest underdogs I ever remember in the playoffs was, there was a, it was San Jose against Detroit and Detroit just ran away with the regular season. And then they lose in the first round to San Jose. Yeah. You know, I just, you just, you just never know. And there was something, there was something ridiculous, some ridiculous point spread those between those two teams in the you know in the regular season. But you know, once once you're in the postseason again, you you know you never know what's going to happen in a short series. So just let the chips fall where they may. I mean, Carey Price, you know, could steal a series, but Price also didn't you know before the before the pause have one of his best seasons. So you you know you you don't know. And um, you know, as as with any goaltender, or whatever, he's human, right? Take his eyes away, don't give him a chance to make some saves, and you play well. You know, you, you you can beat anybody. So, you know, I it's uh, I mean it's it'll be fun to talk about those issues. You know, uh, handicapping series and do what matchups favor who. You know, as you as you get into that, um, you know, who, some runway before you get to that point. But I mean, it's nice to actually be considering some of those things instead of just endlessly talking about, you know, well how much longer. You know, well I mean we're still looking for how much longer the pause will go on, but just. Uh, you know, it it seems it seems that at least there's a framework to bring this to an end sometime relatively soon, hopefully. Yeah, and I think the next step of this is now that that part really the hardest well the hardest part's going to be it actually happening, but in preparation for it getting back on the ice and setting up all the protocols for testing and all the different elements of that, and uh, you know, one of the hardest things to do is just to get the the format agreed to. And, and Bill, you know, you look at the situation right now. Um, and you know, there's a notion and I've heard some pretty credible reporters kind of like intimate this, that the window is the NBC Olympic window, which would be the third week of July in essence. So players would have to start coming back uh, within probably about two weeks, uh, a week to two weeks to, and some would have to quarantine, I, I would assume for 14 days, if they're coming in from overseas and coming back to their home cities, and then they'll probably start doing some informal skates on their own, and then a, a couple, two- or three-week training camp. And that's going to take you to that third week of July. Um, and then uh, this this will possibly, I guess, run to the, the third week of uh, of September, I'm presuming, right? That's uh, that, that, that sounds like that's the time frame they're looking at. They have to, you know, the I mean, the draft is a separate issue. That's not really an NHLPA issue. That's to be worked out with the Board of Governors and, and Gary Bettman. But, I mean, that's something that... Uh, yeah, exactly. That that's the same thing I've heard as well. The in terms of you know they're looking at that that window to be able to start. Now one obstacle has been 
removed by the government saying that foreign-born athletes, you know, the whatever travel restrictions might be in place. Now they may still have to quarantine when they get here, but at least the restrictions, that, you know, that might prevent them from traveling, uh, though that will not be an issue. So at least that's um, that's one fewer thing they have to worry about. Yeah, and the other the other part about that too, Bill, is when should we assume that there'll be more games in a week per se? Um, than a normal playoff because there's a couple things that are eliminated. One being travel. Um, there's no travel days because uh, they're going to be in a hub location. And then, you know, you could play, a, you know, conceivably a 3 o'clock game on a Friday afternoon and then a 7 o'clock game on Saturday. So you could maybe get the series in a, a slightly shorter window than you had when the teams were traveling. Yeah, and, and in a typical year, every once in a while you have you'll have a back-to-back but that's not the that's not the norm. Usually, there's at least a day between between games, and I do think you'll see series compacted, um, you know, with some back to back games, three three and four. As you said, you're not traveling around, and you know, one one thing one factor that goes away in the playoffs um, is that fatigue factor because you're at least within a series because you're in the same boat as the team you're playing against. You've played as many minutes. You've done the same amount of travel. So, you know, bo- both teams would be playing back-to-back three and four. Like, they'd be playing against each other. So that, uh, you know, the, those factors. And, and you see that in multiple series. So I think that's, that's very much in play to be a possibility. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us. This podcast brought to you by Yingling Lager. Uh, hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer. It's a lager. It's time to spread your wings. Yingling traditional lager. Let's get to my conversation with Flyers prospect Cam York. Had a chance to catch up with him last week. Happy to have join us right now on Flyers Daily. Uh, Flyers defenseman uh, prospect Cam York joins us right now. Cam, how are you? I'm doing good. Just, uh, you know, trying to uh, to stay in here. I just got done with my workout this morning. And, um, you know, I'm out in Southern California right now, so kind of enjoying the sun and, and relaxing with my family. So it's been, uh, it's been all right. Um, yeah, you come from Anaheim. Uh, not exactly a hockey hotbed, but with a lot of the success of California and the teams out there. Um, is that is, is the sport really in a growth mode out in Southern California? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I remember when I was when I was young and, and coming through the ranks here and there wasn't much, uh, you know, wasn't much resources out here. It wasn't, you know, that many rinks, and and now it's growing a lot. You know, there's there's more rinks, there's more facilities where you can work out and, and train, and uh, there's just a lot more knowledge. So, uh, it's it's fun to see it growing out here, and um, you know, it's going to continue to grow, and I think uh, the NHL is going to start to see a lot more uh, talent come from the West Coast. So. Are there guys that uh, played out there for the Ducks or in, in California that hung around, and, and they're kind of pushing the movement and helping guys like you in your younger years and development and all those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one that comes to mind is Scott Niedermeyer. He, uh, when he was not on bad. the Ducks, uh, yeah, not bad, Hall of Famer. So. Um, you know, his son was on my team, Jackson, and uh, uh, he was kind of our coach for, for like two years. And so he would come out on the ice when we had practice and, uh, you know, just kind of talk with us and uh, give us a few pointers, um, you know, whatever he saw. And, uh, you know, as a young kid to, to see a, such a good player like him, you know, out there with you, it, it meant a lot. And, uh, you know, I think it's guys like that um, uh, for the reason California, the sport's growing. And, um, you know, it's going to continue to grow with guys like that uh, sticking around. So it's uh, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, hopefully one day I, I can, uh, you know, do something like that. 
So that's a great thought. I, with a guy like Niedermeyer too, he's such a good skater. It's one of the strong suits of your game as well. Um, when you look at trying to get noticed coming out of California is, is not as prevalent as it is in, in other hockey hotbeds, whether that's in North America or that's in, in Canada. Um, was it difficult for you to get noticed? Cause you end up at the NTDP and you know, that's a great program and you guys had a heck of a team a couple of years ago. Um, what was it like for yeah. you to try and get noticed on their radar? Yeah, obviously coming from California, it's, it's definitely harder. I think nowadays it's a lot easier uh, because people realize, um, you know, California is starting to grow and, and hockey is uh, a lot more popular now than it was back then, but it was tough. I mean, um, you know, for me, I, uh, I moved away my freshman year of high school to Minnesota uh, to try and get noticed um, a little bit more. I, I was at Stratic St. Mary's prep school for two years um, and then the program after that. But um, my route was a little bit different than a lot of other guys. But, um, you know, nowadays people can just stay in California. I know a guy like Ryan Johnson was the first round pick to Buffalo, um, you know, and he stayed out in California. Um, I think his entire high school year so um you know it shows that california's grown and um you know guys are, are sticking around and uh it's, it's still really good so um yeah what was that experience like at, at shattuck st mary's because there, there's a pretty famous alum from there in Sidney crosby uh <laughs> that, that, that's going on some, yeah some pretty good things but what was that experience like playing at shattuck st mary's a legendary program up there in, in that minnesota area yeah, it was uh, it was an adjustment for me for sure. I think uh, moving from California to Minnesota, obviously the weather's a lot different, but um, you know I think it was what I needed. I think to uh, to be out on the ice pretty much every day. You know um, their schedule is a lot like college, and um, you know I think I, I developed my hockey skills uh, there. Um, you know really well, and uh, it's what you know, got me noticed by the NTDP and, um, you know, I was able to do my thing up there, but uh, it was great. You know, I think just focusing on school and athletics, you know, away from your family and just, uh, you know, trying to dial in all your professions. It's, uh, it's a really good place and something that, uh, you know, helped me get to where I am today for sure. Yeah, and you end up getting drafted in the NHL by the Flyers, 14th overall uh, a couple of years ago in the 29th, or last year, excuse me, in the 2019 draft. Um, let me ask you this, Cam, because uh, a lot of players have a hard decision to make, whether they want to go and, and play in major junior, or they want to go the college route, and you went NTDP and then to the University of Michigan. What, what went into that decision for you? Did you have some opportunity to go play in junior? Uh, yeah, um, I was kind of, I was looked at by, by a few uh, USHL teams. Um, but for me, I think just the NTDP and, um, you know, I toured their facility and, you know, uh, a lot of alums, you know, were in contact with me and, um, you know, they just told me, told me how much they love it. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, uh, to say no. And, you know, your teammates with Jack Hughes, Alex Turcott, Trevor Zegers, guys like that, that, uh, can push you every single day and, um, you know, practicing with them uh, five days a week, you know, it, it helps you in the long run. Um, obviously, it's challenging going up against them, but, you know, it made me who the, the player I am today. And, uh, you know, I can't thank those guys enough for, for what they've done for me and um, just the support that I've had from them has, has been pretty crazy. So, uh, yeah, the program has been, uh, you know, it's been huge for me and 
a lot of the skills that I adapted there I, I use today. So, um, yeah, it was just a, a great place for me and uh, a great time to be there. And, boy, what a team you guys had. Uh, the, you kept hearing at the, at the 2019 draft from the U.S. National Team Development Program in the first round, so-and-so yeah. selects. I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. a lot of really Jack – Jack Hughes goes number one, Cole Caulfield, of course, as well. And you mentioned Trevor Zegers and Alex Turcotte, a lot of really good players. Um, you go on to Michigan this year. Uh, how was your season at Michigan? I know you guys didn't have the team success perhaps you were looking for, uh, but how was that adjustment playing to, uh, you know, in the Big Ten and playing collegiate hockey at Michigan? Yeah, uh, obviously it was a big adjustment for me. Um, you know, the guys are a lot bigger and, and stronger and faster. And, uh, you know, it's like the years of killing steroids. So uh, it was a big adjustment. Um, you know, obviously I'm not playing with, with guys like Jack Hughes and, and Trevor Zegers, Alex Turkel. I'm not playing with guys like that anymore, really. But, um, you know, I think that was uh, an adjustment for me at first. But, um, you know, I think my, my teammates grew a lot. First first half of the year, we were not very good. Uh, we struggled at first. But in the second half, I think we were uh, the best team in college hockey. So uh, we grew a bunch. Obviously, it, it sucked that uh, the season got cut short. But, um, you know, you just got to focus on the positives and uh, look forward to next year. So, yeah, and, and you guys had one hell of a goalie this year too, by the way. Um, uh, for that Michigan yeah, team, did. did a really good job and and keeping you guys in in good position to win games, especially in that second half, like you mentioned. Um, last year you get a little taste of uh the development camp. Um, who knows what that's going to look like this summer with everything going on. Um, but what what have you kind of heard from you know the coaching staff and Chuck Fletcher? And everybody that you know they want you to work on as you uh, get closer and closer to making your pro debut yeah um i think the biggest thing that you know i've talked with staff uh at philly about is uh just physically trying to grow and um you know defensively being able to, to close out guys quicker uh obviously in the nhl there's um a lot of big you know big guys um that are quick and you know, being able to uh, close on them defensively as quickly as possible and, and limiting their time and space is is going to be really important. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest area for my game right now that I'm focusing on. Um, but at the same time, I'm always trying to improve uh, offensively um, along the blue line, trying to get my shots through, stuff like that. So, uh, But defensively, just trying to close guys out is, is the, the biggest thing for me right now. Kim, did you come from a hockey family? Because you have a very high hockey IQ. It's something that a lot of the scouts cited in your draft year and in watching you with Michigan and, and with the NTDP, I noticed it as well. Um, you just seem to have an innate kind of know-how on the ice. Where did that come from? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, my dad played football out here for uh, UCLA. and uh, My mom was a little bit of volleyball, so... I didn't necessarily come from a hockey family. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure where my IQ came from, but I've had it uh, from a very early age, and uh, it's kind of stuck with me. So, um, you know, it's something that I've heard a lot of people say about me. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool, and and definitely helps. You know, when you're in a, a high pressure situation, having a, a good IQ can can go a long way. So, um, yeah. But to be honest with you, I'm not the, not sure where I got it from. What, did you kind of study the game as a younger kid, like, you know, watching it? You weren't just watching, but you were kind of maybe without even knowing it, kind of seeing patterns and, and, and ways of doing things. Yeah. And then Niedermeyer, I mean, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, my, my family had season tickets to the uh, Anaheim Ducks games, and 
when they won the Stanley Cup in, in 07, I remember watching. And, um, you know, it's for a normal fan to watch a game, it's, uh, it's maybe different. You know, every time I watch an NHL game, I'm breaking down, you know, certain plays and, and certain reads that guys make and decisions they make. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, when I was younger, I, uh, you know, tried to, to watch guys, guys like Chris Pronger and, and Scott Meyer when they were on the Ducks, uh, they were really fun to watch. And, um, you know, the way they play the game, uh, it's pretty special and, and you know, is what made has made them, you know, the type of players that they are. So um, anytime I can, can study or break down a, a certain player's game, uh, it helps me with my, my IQ for sure. There's an efficiency to you, – you mentioned Pronger and you mentioned Niedermeyer – both guys, Hall of Famers, um, logged a lot of minutes too, but there was an efficiency to their game too. And, and you just mentioned it. It's, it's one of those things where you don't need to necessarily work harder, but work smarter a lot of times. Mm-hmm. As you get into the get, getting closer to playing pro and playing with the best players in the world, uh, what do you anticipate that moment's going to be like uh, when you step on an NHL rink for the first time? Oh, man. Uh, it's going to be pretty crazy. I think uh... – Kind of like the draft, it's uh, it's gonna be overwhelming. You know, when you're in the moment, you don't really realize really what's going on. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, it doesn't really settle in till till after. You know, you kind of just relaxed and, and thought about it. But um, it's exciting. You know, it's uh, it's something that I've worked extremely hard for, and um, you know, have anticipated for a very long time. And, and seeing old teammates like Joel Farabee uh, and Oliver Walsh and guys like that. Jack Hughes, uh, you know, my old teammates, you know, having watching them play their first game, uh, it's exciting, you know, uh, a, little, a little nervous for it. But, uh, you know, when that time comes, I'll be ready. And, um, you know, there's just a lot to look forward to. So, Joel, when you, or excuse me, I said Joel, you got Farabee in my head now. Uh, Cam, um, when you look at the Flyers, and I don't know how close you could pay attention this past season, but um, big jump for the team. And, and you're not oblivious to the fact that this is a team right now that, you know, it's got a lot of good young defensemen. They're a team that, with guys like Ivan Provorov, Phil Myers, Travis Sanheim, um, and they got a good core coming forward. And and you're a big part of that future. Um, what is that like, knowing that you know you got some established guys there? They're younger though, so you can really lean on them as you start to to make your next steps. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's really good for me. I think uh, you know, learning from from guys that are pretty close in, in my age, I think we can relate a little bit better and. Uh, you know, study the game better together. But, um, you know, at the same time, it, it becomes a challenge because you're fighting for a roster spot. And, um, you know, those guys are so good and, and talented. Um, you know, at, at, at this point, it doesn't matter if I was first-round pick or, you know, a fifth-round pick. Um, you know, I still got to make the team and, and prove, you know, that I belong. So uh, it's it's not easy um, when you have such a young team. But, uh, for Flyers fans, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool, and uh, you know we're we're gonna have a, a very good team uh, down the road. So I'm really excited. It's gonna be a challenge, like I said, but uh, there's a lot a lot to look forward to. So. What was campus like like life like for you at Michigan? Big university, obviously, yeah. very storied uh, athletic department, football program, basketball, you name it. They they can do it all at Michigan. I went to Penn State, so uh, the schools kind of resemble each other uh-huh. in a lot of ways. So what was campus life like for you up at Michigan? Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. I mean, I uh, I probably had the most fun of my life um, up there this past year. Um, you know, when you can, uh, you know, when you can have fun and uh, work out and play the sport that you love, 
you know, there's there's not much better. So, um, you know, obviously, like you said, Michigan's a uh, a special a special college. You know, they have a, a rich history, and um, you know, I, I was just trying to uh, take in every moment because uh, you know I wasn't sure what uh, my future would be like there. Um, you know, if I was going to sign or what, but um, it's a great place. I'm happy to be there, and you know, looking forward to this next year. So are you thinking maybe one more year college before uh, signing an ELC? Yeah, that's my, uh, that's my plan right now. Um, you know, I think, uh, uh, obviously with the season being cut short, I didn't get to, uh, you know, I didn't get to have my full, uh, college year, which, you know, I was really looking forward to hopefully the frozen four and, um, you know, finishing playoffs and, uh, just didn't, didn't quite happen. So. Um, that's my plan right now is to, uh, return next year and, um, obviously get another crack at world juniors as well. So, um, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the plan right now. Yeah. Well, both of those things hugely important, uh, for you to, to check those boxes as well. Uh, we'll see if the world juniors can in fact happen. It's all going to be pending this pandemic, which has just been crazy. Um, hey, Cam, yeah. I really appreciate you doing this, man. I, you know, you got a lot of flyer fans really excited about what you're bringing to the table and what you're going to bring to this team once you're ready. Um, good luck with the development. Good luck uh, next year at Michigan. And I appreciate you doing this. Yep. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Cam York, who will be returning to the University of Michigan for his sophomore season uh, coming up in the fall, uh, provided they do play in the NCAA. We'll see where that goes. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us as well. And thank you for listening to Flyers Daily, which is brought to you by Yingling Lager. Yingling traditional lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. We'll talk to you next time. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for listening.